everybody and welcome back to Try Not To Stare, the podcast where I talk about mental health and disabilities and I get to interview a bunch of interesting people as well. So in today's episode I get to interview the lovely Abby Hills who has cerebral palsy and she is also a talent agent. She has her own talent agency and um, is very entrepreneurial and I just think she's very inspiring and amazing. And this podcast was really interesting and I learned a lot. So thank you very much to Abby. Um, We will get straight into the episode. Okay, so thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Abby. Um, I guess we'll just jump straight into it. If you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners, um, tell them a little bit about your disability, your diagnosis process, and also just a bit about yourself as well. Okay, cool. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Abby Hills. I'm a talent agent and a writer producer with cerebral palsy. Um, I can't tell you a whole lot about my diagnosis because I was only two when it happened, so I don't really remember. <laughs> but um, I remember the the aftermath and growing up and things like that but the actual diagnosis it's probably more a question for my mum than me (laughs) yeah fair enough so what is it like to live with cerebral palsy explain a bit more about it because I don't really know too much about it if I'm honest yeah so it's kind of like for me the the effects of having it are ever-changing the condition itself never changes but I think for me like growing up and adapting to it is always changing it's essentially brain damage um and that there's so many different types so I have ataxia which means my muscles are kind of a little bit on the floppy side um I've not got very good spatial awareness my balance is a bit rubbish um my coordination is even worse mm. um and it's, it's all kind of physical for me really but it, it totally depends on, on whereabouts in your brain like where the damage is as to how it affects you um I'm very fortunate I do only have it mildly Hmm. but the whole left side of my body is affected like from my left eye my left ear like all the way down to my left toe essentially um so with it being mild I'm not faced with you know a whole lot of difficulty in terms of my mobility like I get tired quite easily um I find it quite hard to walk places sometimes especially if I'm more tired than other days um muscle aches and pains and things like that and I can't walk a great deal but uh, like I am mobile um you know I I can walk and things um but yeah I think it's I've kind of like as I've been growing up I've kind of adjusted to, to knowing that I have it um if that makes sense like now I'm older I know how to manage pain a lot more than I did when I was younger it was probably more confusing and obviously like oh it's just growing pains you'll grow out of it I'm 26 and my legs still hurt so (laughs) I know that I get that all the time and obviously my disability is completely different but um the whole you'll grow out of it thing Mm -hmm. um I had that a lot when I was younger and obviously it's different a different kind of disability but um my mum and my nan actually used to think that I would grow out of my autism and they didn't want to um diagnose me until well I decided that I was going to get diagnosed at 20 um but yeah they didn't want it I know they didn't want me to get diagnosed because they didn't want me to have any kind of disadvantages in life um so obviously they were looking out for my best interests and things like that um 
I wonder, like, do you, I don't suppose you know how um, you got diagnosed. Like, did your mum notice anything in you or? Um, I was born super early. I think it was like six and a half weeks early, maybe seven weeks early. Mm. Um, and I was tiny. Yeah. Like, I was so small. Um, and I think... I mean, I, I don't really know at what, at what stage they kind of suspected it was a thing because obviously like being born so early, there was a, a lack of oxygen to the brain, which is basically what causes CP, right? So that I think it probably stemmed from that, but I didn't start walking until I was like two, two and a half. Right. Apparently I used to shuffle around my bum and obviously that's that's not normal. Hmm. You know what I mean? So I think there was there was kind of signs for it, but I'm not entirely sure what the process was like for her. And I know that I did have, like in the early, early years, probably up until I was two or maybe up until I was four, I would have like a specialist come to the house and things. Hmm. Um, and then once I was walking and stuff, and I think possibly going into like tiny people's school, um, I had physio, cause I remember having to wear like funky shoes to help me walk and mm. stand on one leg count apples and pears and random stuff like that do you know what I mean so I, I think that was that was kind of the process but again I was tiny so yeah that's so interesting because I was also um really premature oh. I weighed like two and a bit pounds um, yes, for me, I was three pounds something I thought I was small oh my god <laughs> I was like a little blob <laughs> yeah me too I love I love hearing like from other preemie babies and like um, what they were like as as children and things like that because apparently when I, well, I was really tiny when I was born um, and I was on like a, vent, what, a ventilator or something like that um, but apparently by the time I got home from hospital I was like eight pounds or something a little chunk oh no you caught up well <laughs> yeah I know and as oh. a toddler I was I was super chubby so. <laughs> But um, yeah, so you said you mentioned how in school you had to like have like special shoes and things. Um, did you experience any bullying from other students? Um, I mean, I was kind of. How, how old was I? I think fortunately I was able to start wearing, I guess, normal regular school shoes by the age of about seven or eight. Hmm. Um so again, I was really young. I do kind of remember though, like, you know, when everyone's running around playing kiss chase and all that stuff, I was never very good. I couldn't really run. I wasn't really part of the games and stuff. Um, but I do remember having like a real solid group of friends. So I, I don't so much remember it at that stage of my life. I think kids that age are quite innocent, aren't they? But it's when yeah. you go into like primary and, you know, secondary, that's when people start to get a little bit meaner, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it was all second, like secondary school was absolute hell for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, I was always the popular kid in like primary school. I was very mm -hmm. good at gymnastics and things like that. And then as soon as it came to like secondary school, it was just absolute hell. Like from year seven to all the way to like year 11 or something, I was bullied constantly and I could never understand why. And I think as an adult looking back on it I kind of just put my finger on that it was because I was just a bit different um I was oh, always goodness. yeah I was I was always very out there with like um like the way that I looked I had blue hair and <laughs> at oh, one point I had a mohawk yeah. so <laughs> um but yeah kids can be really cruel and especially if there's something a tiny bit different about you 
um they just seem to pick up on it which is really weird it's like some sort of difference radar <laughs> yeah kids, kids can be really mean when they don't understand something like some, something a weird experience for me in school um because like I always knew I had cerebral palsy and stuff but mm. I never really like fully understood or registered what it was didn't really talk about it didn't really mm. especially like when I got older and I stopped having physio and things it was kind of just there I was like oh, okay this is fine but from the age or throughout the whole secondary school actually because we had the same tutor groups there was a boy who sat in front of me mm. and he had cerebral palsy too now he didn't know I had it but I know that he had it because he um used to wear splints and have to go for several operations and things um which for me was confusing because we had the same condition and I didn't like understand or know anything about it and sadly the bullying like he faced was unspeakable yeah and I remember thinking that like you know uh, we me and him we have we have the same condition mm. just because I'm you know more mobile or I'm, I'm slightly different like how can they be so horrible to him I mean they weren't nice to me either don't mm. get me wrong but I guess because my disability wasn't as um physical like you couldn't see it yeah it was so weird sitting sitting behind this boy and thinking you know like we to, to an extent I suppose we would understand each other mm. um it's really really sad actually really sad oh that is awful but yeah I would also like to quickly ask you what what is it like for you on a daily basis like um just like living with cerebral palsy do you have any like coping mechanisms I'm not sure if that's the right word to use like how do you deal with it on a daily basis um I guess for me there's two things there's like pain management and then there's accessibility as well like fortunately like my my pain isn't outrageous every day Hmm. you know it's noticeable but it's not like it kind of depends on what I've done the day before if that makes sense like my exhaustion levels and everything like that so pain management I love a hot water bottle um, I love a bath with bath salts and you know well I'm trying to kind of move away from painkillers and stuff but like you know just like natural kind of ways to Hmm. to bring you comfort um and to relax I've got a nice little acupuncture mat which I lie on now and again um so all kind of things like that like I'm I'm kind of into things like that anyway but they're they're Mm. really really helpful but in terms of accessibility this is one that still gets me because I'll I'll give you an example actually um thinking about going out for the day and let's say we're going to the cinema and everyone knows the cinemas have like the least accessible seating Mm. and stairs they're just awful so like uh, they're all really tiered aren't they like this and I'm always thinking like where's my seat going to be am I going to have to balance will I get be able to hold the handrail because I need a handrail going up and downstairs otherwise it's just disastrous right so it's things like that and you kind of think like wait I still have to think about whether or not I can hold a handrail in a place that I may or may not have been to before before even going out like it sounds like a little thing but when you have to kind of have that in the back of your mind every day it's quite strange yeah like how, how close by is the parking um will there be stairs or will there be a lift um what shoes shall I wear to be comfy for the day I mean this is more of a vanity thing because I love fashion but when you have to center your outfit around a pair of shoes it becomes quite difficult especially when it's really hard to also get shoes and you find these little kind of obstacles you wouldn't necessarily think are there um Mm. and they are so (laughs) yeah yeah, you kind of have to think about that but for me I, I think more so than the pain because I do know how to manage that now and I manage it quite well it's the accessibility thing I'm still not I'm still not quite sure how to to manage it and deal with it because 
my disability and my differences aren't physical um, mm. and visible. Yeah. So to somebody else who, you know, doesn't know a thing about cerebral palsy or in fact a, a kind of mild disability or anything, mm. they might not think I need to use a disabled toilet and I can walk up three flights of stairs with no handrail, you know, all these little things. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I do yeah. I agree. I would have to agree. Yeah, so I've got a blue badge because they have opened it up to invisible disabilities recently, or was it like two years ago now? Um, which absolutely changed my life. The fact that I can park so close to my venue, um, and like I know that I will most of the time have a space for me close to where I'm going and I can plan my whole journey around it. Um, it's just it's just been really helpful um do you drive or do you have a blue badge or anything I don't drive um I do have a blue badge and so I can kind of take it in my handbag and whoever's driving me can you, you know use it while we're together mm. um which is really helpful if I'm getting like dropped to appointments or um going anywhere really I mean living in a city you realize even as a non-driver how far away and limited all the parking is, like especially in Southampton, like it's so one way. And unless you're going in a multi-story, mm. um, you know, a shopping centre, you, your options are really limited. Um, and I think like, cause I've always lived in kind of flats and apartments and stuff. And without my blue badge, um, for me and my, my boyfriend who lived together, it would it'd be a disaster because there would be, there would be nowhere to park for, for, for your home. It, it's, yeah. it's nuts, nuts. Have you had any kind of um, controversial encounters when people see you kind of getting out of a car? Because um, I have had quite all, a few. All of them. the time, all the time, Charlotte. You have no idea. Like, oh, I mean, I suppose you do have an idea, but it's awful, isn't it? Um, and it's always, I'm sorry, it's always old people. I know. All the time. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to answer to you, lady. You have a badge as well. Like, it's fine. We're both here. You know, you've got a space. I've got a space. Um, but I think, you know, obviously, like, looking at us, you know, we, we seem able-bodied and stuff. Yeah. And I guess, to, like, to an extent we are. Yeah. But there's much more, you know, underneath the surface than than what Mr yeah, and Mrs absolutely. see when they're coming out of a food shop. <laughs> I know. They just seem so entitled, like they've lived their 80 odd years and they should have a blue badge like um yeah. I'm entitled as well that's why the government oh, has given me one <laughs> so I think as well like especially with with cerebral palsy but people kind of associate it with children or you know people who who do have something that is really really visible so to see like a young woman in her 20s who's maybe like wearing a cool outfit or something because mm -hmm. You know, like I said, I like my fashion. So when I'm coming out and they're like staring at me, I'm like, can a girl not not wear a cool hat and have a blue badge? Yeah, is my my jacket the problem? Like, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's really frustrating, but it's you know, I think we build up a bit of a wall to it, don't we? Because I know that whenever I'm out with somebody, especially with my boyfriend, he's like so offended. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm offended, but I'm like, oh, this is just you know, this is a classic day out in town, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely get that because I've had so many times where people are like, can I see the reverse of your blue badge that has like your photo on it? Um, so like they, they want to check that I've not stolen it basically because I get out oh the car God. and like 
obviously people just can't get their head around the fact that a young attractive young woman like that can walk however many steps without being aided can have a blue badge like it's just so wrong and like oh just it just gets my goat to be honest oh Um, no me too me too um I would love to know what your thoughts are on how um cerebral palsy can be accommodated more for in society because we've spoken a little bit touched on like discrimination and things like that and like disabled badges and all that what's your thoughts on what more could be done I think before any like physical measures can be put in place there just needs to be more more education about it Hmm. the amount of people who and like you know I'm not saying everyone has to know everything right we have to be taught and we have to learn but people don't know what it is there's a spectrum for me with cerebral palsy right somebody's either got a brother or a cousin or an auntie or somebody who um is affected quite severely um and their mobility is really affected and their speech and everything so I'll hear that I'll say oh you know my so-and-so has got cerebral palsy you don't seem like them or it'll be I don't know what that is what's cerebral palsy and for me like that that is crazy I mean I'm biased because I have it but um <laughs> like I think based on kind of my own research and you you know especially being older now and being more curious about what my disability is and means um there is so much education support literature knowledge everything for cerebral palsy in children and babies Mm. and then when you get to being an early teenager there's nothing yeah Cerebral palsy in young adults, you type that into Google, hardly anything comes up except for a few wonderful charities that I've started to, to get to know. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I, a few years ago, I did my own research and I, I started a blog um, called Palsy Vibes, kind of when I was just in and out of uni. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to kind of put, I guess, just do a bit of research on social media. And I put a call out and I started making friends with people my age who had cerebral palsy because that, that was the only way. How else are we to learn? And that's the people with it. So imagine that the people without it who don't necessarily have a reason to know what it is, Hmm. to to find out about it, you know, it's very strange and it affects quite a lot of people. Um, And, you know, it's a very wide spectrum. So I think before anything can be physically done, there just needs to be more education about it, Um, Hmm. particularly like in our age group and and getting older, because I still to this day don't know what it's like for... um, middle-aged and upward people or even in fact people mm. over 30 wow I don't, I don't have a clue so yeah. that would be that would be my first order of business I think <laughs> more awareness for sure definitely yeah. I would have to say the same because as an autistic person it's very much geared towards um like the support is geared towards um children and really young <laughs> children at that and um, once you get past a certain age, there's no support, there's no um, knowledge really of autism in adults and how we kind of just live our day-to-day lives. I think people just think that um, we are, I think people, when they think autism, they, they think like non-verbal. Um, mm-hmm. So then when they see someone like me who doesn't look autistic, um, they're a bit confused. And also there's being a woman as well, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, there are, well, women are diagnosed a lot later than um, men. And um, I think that's because we are better at masking and hiding everything. 
because I mean we're so we're so good at multitasking as women already like (laughs) (laughs) so this is just another thing we've got to do um but yeah men are quite that you can just see through them (laughs) they can't hide things (laughs) but um yeah so I would like to know is there any kind of support that you know of um for people your age or because like you said it's mostly children so a couple of wonderful groups that I kind of found out about um CP teens okay so they, they are kind of geared I think it's from age 13 to about 25 and they do wonderful fundraising events they do an annual ball for people with cerebral palsy um they do a sponsored wobble which is like um you know just kind of going out and getting fit and doing you know um doing it for sponsorship in your whatever way you can they're wonderful cp teens and then there's the adult cp hub um recently found out about them actually probably in the last year and a half two years and they often do virtual coffee mornings and things but they're very active in kind of speaking to local mps and trying to get in front of the government to talk about um cerebral palsy and other kind of conditions in adults and young adults so they're probably the two that I have researched and found and recognized as kind of groups that I can identify with um and they're the ones that I would recommend absolutely that's fabulous I I actually need to do some more research into like um different kind of groups and things for my disability because I find that really interesting that they've got like virtual coffee mornings I feel like that's something that would be really cool I would love to do and there's there's even some good ones for um employment actually I've, I've missed this one but this is fantastic and this isn't just for people with cp but it's a facebook group called deaf and disabled people in tv hmm. and they share mentoring sessions with um people who identify as disabled in the industry they um they advertise disability friendly job postings oh, wow. um industry advice industry networking plays that are coming out shows that are coming out like it's a really like for me as a creative working in tv and film it's a really good group um really nice yeah so there's loads of things like that I think Facebook's actually got some good groups on it for for people like us yeah, you know definitely I think I need to join a few more groups and like kind of just put myself out there a bit more I guess because I feel like I don't really do that enough um I kind of just stick with my comfort zone and <laughs> I just leave it at that uh-huh. what about you do you tend to push your comfort zone a little bit or are you very much like a homebody no I do because I'm really stubborn and sometimes it backfires um, <laughs> I am I, I am really really stubborn hmm. um but I don't think that's a bad thing like yes yeah, so I am I am quite stubborn in terms of my my capabilities I push myself a lot um a random example I mean I'm still really bad at it but I was determined basically from a young age that I wanted to be able to paint my own nails now my left hand and my left side is extremely shaky so when I say I can paint my nails I don't mean I can do like an amazing manicure or Mm. like beautiful painting with art and stuff like the paint goes on the nail and the hand <laughs> and the finger but like I was stubborn and I wanted to learn it and that was a little achievement for me which is kind of silly and kind of random um but for me that was a yeah little personal achievement I love that um I never used to like walking hmm. and now I've got older I love a nature walk but nature walks don't really love me because the ground's really uneven hmm. often the trails are really long and usually because of where we live it's cold and raining yeah so I have to kind of pace myself with things like that like things that I like to do but I know 
you know it's like oh do I want to be in bed tomorrow or mm. have I got things to do do you know what I mean but I, I will kind of push myself mm. to to manage what, what I'm doing because I think as a creative as well you always want to do so much yeah that's and it's not all about uh, I suppose you might be able to relate with this as well it's not always about physical exertion um mm. but mental as well like I, I get very fatigued if I've been around lots of loud noises or yeah. like big groups like it's absolutely exhausting so I have to kind of take that into account sometimes as well as like how my legs and my body are feeling yeah absolutely I feel very much the same way because like if I've been socializing for too long or even if it's just like going into a lecture for like two hours I'll come home and I'll be absolutely knackered because those Mm -hmm. whole two hours I'll be socially masking and that is quite like um, a hard thing to do and it it means I can't really focus on what the lecture is actually about (laughs) I'm just focusing more on like um, how do I appear to other people am I do I look normal am I saying things that are normal um so that's constantly like my brain is just always on overdrive <laughs> so <laughs> it's quite um it's quite a challenge actually yeah <laughs> but I would like to talk about challenges I'd love to ask you what your biggest challenge has been and also your biggest achievement so far oh okay my biggest challenge so far um I'm gonna do one that is immediately fresh in my head because I've just done it and it was really 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 hard Hmm. really hard um I I mean I was very very fortunate I got offered a place as a costume trainee on a feature film uh shooting in a studio and within the space of kind of three or four weeks I had to leave my lovely apartment um move out my boyfriend had to move back to his parents for a while and I had to move to a new place with new people to a new flat Hmm. and then go into kind of 12 to 14 hour days of full-time work yeah. which for me I, oh my god I don't know why like it was absolutely amazing the experience was wonderful and unlike anything that I've ever done before but I'm very much a girl that used to do a four-hour shift and come home and nap because I'd be absolutely yeah. knackered and I don't know something in me just flipped and thought I absolutely have to do this and yeah. it was so so difficult I'd be crying most days, not like from pain, but just from overexhaustion. I mean, the, the pain, if anything, although, you know, walking around and being on your feet for that amount of time is very difficult and very painful. I built up an incredible amount of stamina, which I would also say is an achievement, mm. but it was, it was such difficult time for me and it was so out of my comfort zone. So unbelievably so, because like I said, I'd never worked full time. I, all these things were changing where I was moving um who I was living with having to like do food shopping on my own which is something that I fortunately I would always had help with that mm. because you know a can of chopped tomatoes in each hand and that's heavy enough for me I don't want to be carrying any more than that you know mm. um, it's exhausting so all these little things getting to a new place on a new bus that you've never been to before yeah. um it was, it was just like so much at once um I went and did that in May I've just come back now and just finished Wow. So, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying being at home at the moment and just resting yeah, because I feel like I just hit play 
and I didn't pause for that whole time and I, I didn't pause because I knew if I did I'd be absolutely exhausted and broken yeah. um, and that's kind of what happened when I finished but I'm, I'm really grateful for the experience and it was such a challenge and it was a huge kind of I guess a bit of a an eye-opener to, to know that I could do something like that mm. not long term I don't think not long term at all I don't think I could you know sustain that for the next however many years mm. um but uh, uh, kind of above that it was really nice to know that somebody like me with a disability was able to secure a job in that industry yeah an industry that has been very um I guess non-inclusive in the past would probably be yeah. the best way to to phrase it it's the biggest challenge and also in some ways biggest achievement um but biggest achievement well this is actually coming up as well so these are all very current for me which is nice um I'm in the finals for the national diversity awards oh wow which I was uh, it's so exciting I've got a really nice dress I'm going to a posh event so um yeah it's it's an event that focuses solely on diversity in the UK and there's different categories so I'm in the finals I think there's four other people um, but I'm in the arts and culture category. Mm. So in first week of Feb, I'm going to stick on my nice dress, go for a posh dinner, go to this black tie event. And I'm, I've never done anything like that before. So I'm so excited for that. Oh, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit more about that. How did you kind of get into that, those awards, I guess? Um, how did I get into those awards? Mm. Um, it, it's kind of a weird one I mean so I, I did a master's in arts management like after I did my film degree yeah um, and that's kind of what spurred me on to start my business hmm. my talent agency but within that you learn a lot about like PR and marketing and how to not only boost your brand but your um, business as well so I kind of started to research different um I guess they're called PR opportunities, I guess, but you know, like, like awards and things that I may or may not be suitable for, which in a way it sounds like a vanity thing, but it was more for kind of raising awareness about, you know, being a disabled woman in business and also my, my talent agency, because it was a new business yeah. and I wanted to show the world anyway. So I started doing things like that. And then last year, so it was last year, but it was the year before, because I think the awards go year in advance anyway it was the um the great british entrepreneur awards that was the first kind of event thing that i got into mm. um and i was in the finals for that and that was fantastic i didn't win but i was in the i think it was called young entrepreneurial spirit young entrepreneurial spirit something like that for the southeast like the mm. area that i live in um and then after that, somebody nominated me for the Women of the Future Awards. And I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Um, and got into the finals of that, too. Wow. But then this one, I don't know who nominated me for this one. Um, but I kind of got an email and it went to my spam folder. Imagine that. And I, I could have missed it. Um, but, yeah, so... I. I I don't really know I guess in the start it was kind of researching but more for the I must get my talent agency out there everyone must know I want to have the, the biggest talent agency in all of the land all that kind of crazy stuff uh, I had that like burning I've just started a business and I want everyone to know about it yeah and then I'm just getting these emails now and it's I mean it's really nice like thank you to whoever's nominating me <laughs> like but it's kind of wild kind of wild that is just 
absolutely amazing like that was just blown me away that was really cool and I just oh, I was you. just thinking like it's crazy how similar we are but also like our disabilities are so different but we do like kind of struggle with kind of similar kind of things and I also own a small business as well but um it's Thank kind you. of like yeah it's kind of like um greetings cards illustration um oh, nice. just like nicky knacks kind of thing and I just thought it was interesting how you're an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur I feel like we often are quite creative and entrepreneurial because it is hard for us to go into the world of work and like you said I could never work full-time like I've tried it once and I had to like quit after like two weeks (laughs) it was just awful it's exhausting it's exhausting And I mean at the minute I do like a four hour a week thing on the weekend but even that is pushing it for me (laughs) I just find it so hard so I kind of came to the conclusion that after uni, I'm just going to push my business to be a full-time thing because um, it's kind of taken a little bit of a backseat throughout uni. I've kind of just focused on uni. It's more important at this point. But after uni, I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to do that because there's no way that I can get a full-time job anywhere. I just don't feel like it is in me. And I just find it so interesting that you're also a small business owner as well and like, you've got this talent agency I just think it's amazing yeah that's what that's what I was thinking when when you when you were kind of saying that just now like you have to make well we have to make our own work I guess to make it accessible for us yeah um and particularly as well in in the creative world because I feel like a, a lot of people um I know who have differences um even in this kind of cerebral palsy community are very very creative Hmm. very much so um which I love Uh, I think that's really cool but yeah you know I'm just thinking of a few people I know off the top of my head and they're all they've all kind of got their own thing going on because they've had to build it build it for themselves I mean it's wonderful they have and it's amazing that we have this this kind of urge to do so Hmm. but it's interesting isn't it that we've all kind of felt that we need to do that because we need to shape our work yeah around how we can cope with it um yeah absolutely but it's nice to be your own boss, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. There are perks to that. And um, I was just like, when I was doing my small business, I was just thinking there's just no job out there that will be accommodating for me and my mm. disability. I suppose workplaces can't really put into place certain things because disabilities are so varied and everybody needs a different kind of support. But yeah, I, I was just thinking like, there's no way that I'm going to find a job that's going to let me go home if I have a meltdown or like, you know, yeah, so I have yeah. to be my own boss because there is no other way for me to to live and make money and be happy because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. my happiness comes first and I've worked oh, a long time yeah. to be happy. So, yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. I'd love to hear a quick little bit about your talent agency because I would I'm very interested I want to know more (laughs) oh okay oh my baby it was our third birthday two days ago so yeah yeah it's come a long way um it's a similar sort of kind of pathway to you really well like I did my degree um in film and I love film and I love writing I love producing but I've realized that it's probably the least disability friendly industry to go in ever um, so I, I kind of finished that and I 
decided that I didn't know enough about business and that if I was going to go into film I needed a good business head um so I went and did my master's in arts management because while I wanted a good business head I didn't want to be bored to death in a business class Mm. so luckily I found this arts management um master's and I mean you know master's is only for a year so you learn a lot in a very short space of time and I kind of I mean we got told for our final piece that we had to, you know, how bored they are at uni with briefs, right? They were like, you have to make a thing. <laughs> that can be an exhibition, that can be a magazine, that can be an event, that can be a concert, that can be a festival, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to start a talent agency. That sounds amazing. Um, and it was kind of like, oh, Abby, that's quite a lot to do. Like, you know, you don't have to start a whole business and a whole you know entity you can just put on a one-off event and I was like no I think I'm going to start a talent agency because I've always um been in the kind of acting and film world known a lot of actors as well models and things like that and it was to me it was really frustrating that I living in Hampshire where Mm. there really is nothing like that um that I knew all these talented people they didn't have a a kind of gateway to, to what they wanted to do or where they wanted to go um so like three weeks after that initial conversation my lecturer I went and registered on company's house and it was a bit like what are you doing don't do that I haven't even taught you the unit that you need to know yet about doing all that and I was kind of like oh it's fine and then I started gathering up some actors that I knew um and yeah it, that, that's kind of how it started really and I would you know do some research into what was being made in our local area and I mean it was really small indie stuff to start with like short films that were being made feature films that were being made the odd photo shoot that was happening but I just kind of started networking I started networking with people I guess who already knew me but I was like oh look I've got these amazing clients they're simply wonderful they must be in your film da, da, da. all that kind of stuff that comes with, with being an agent I suppose and then a few months after I set up I did a live event um which was terrifying so I hired a venue I got a photographer I got a DJ all this kind of stuff we had actors come in and speak to me from there I bagged myself a nice few more clients Mm. and then I was just kind of building the brand really and yeah then COVID happened (laughs) so yeah pretty much I mean yeah we had like what a year year and a half and then COVID happened yeah I was like oh well this has been a fun 18 months of running a business I guess I'll say goodbye now because COVID's destroying everything Mm. (laughs) but luckily we still managed to to get my clients booked on some stuff um because film and tv production to up until some point was seen as essential work um not the whole way through but there was stuff still being made because Mm. otherwise what you're going to watch on tv when you're sat at home in lockdown you know yeah absolutely I just think that's so amazing that you've managed to do that well I think that's all we've got time for on today's episode thank you so much for being here and I've really enjoyed getting to know you and your disability and also about your talent agency as well I'll definitely have to give you a follow (laughs) yeah for sure thank you so much it's been really fun um and it's been nice to talk to somebody who kind of kind of knows what's going on you know Mm. kind of relate to it so that's been really cool thank you
So that's the end of the podcast. Let me know what you thought on this episode. I found it really interesting learning all about cerebral palsy and also Abby's talent agency as well. I thought that was really incredible. So if you want to go and give um, the talent agency a follow on Instagram, it's at the Daisy Hills Co. Um, Yes, show your support. So stay tuned for the next episode. We have some really exciting podcasts coming up. Thank you.